welcome to this resurrection worship service of Ada First United Methodist Church. My name is Reverend Brandy Rigsby, and it is a joy to be gathered this morning as we worship our resurrected, our living Lord and Savior. I want to welcome all of you. If you're visiting with us, if you're joining us online, we are so glad to have you with us this morning. Just a few announcements and reminders as we get started. Um, if you are joining us online, please check in. Let us know you're here. Greet one another. Uh, Mr. Mark Light is in the back checking in on those messages. And if you have any questions, he will get back to you on those as soon as he can. But thank you, Mark. And thank you to everyone who helps out on our tech team every Sunday. And especially today, they were here bright and early as we joined for our sunrise service at 730. Also, I want to thank you for your contributions to our church and its ministries. The missions that we participate, both locally and globally, are due to your gifts, your tithes and offerings. So we thank you for those. Please know we do have an offering basket in the back and an online giving option at the top right-hand corner of our webpage. I was also instructed to let you know that there are extra fresh eggs from the breakfast, so eggs that did not get cracked and made into um, casseroles. So a uh, few dozen eggs downstairs in the kitchen. If you would like to pick some up afterwards, you're welcome to drop an offering in if you want to, but I think they just want to make sure they find a good home find breakfast tomorrow. So I also want to thank the Lusk family and all who helped out with our wonderful breakfast this morning. It was a great time of fellowship and our kids got to hunt for Easter eggs, which went like that somehow. I saw a joke the other day that 300 Easter eggs, they can sweep up in 30 seconds, but toys on the floor, months to pick up. Next Sunday is Holy Humor Sunday. So what's, what has typically become known as a low Sunday in the church year, we are lifting up. We are going to come together and celebrate with laughter and joy. So wear goofy clothes, wear your pajamas, just wear something when you come to church next Sunday. But our choir has some great things planned. Um, I will do my best to try and share some jokes with you. I hear Brian's really working on his dad jokes for me, so I'm counting on those. But we are going to gather next Sunday and have a time of lighthearted fellowship, but remembering just what it is that Christ did when he conquered the grave. Now, friends, as we move into this time of worship on this holiest of Sundays, may we lift our hearts and our voices. May we sing our praises and shout hallelujahs to our risen Lord and Savior. Will you join me in an attitude of worship?
please stand as you are able for the call to worship. Brothers and sisters, the tomb is empty. The stone has been rolled away. For three days he lay in that cold and lonely cave. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, oh death, is your Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us worship the risen Christ. Please remain standing to sing hymn 302 in the Blue United Methodist Hymnal. Scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. So then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ but not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Our hymn of grace is Raise Your Voices, verses 1-3 in the United Methodist Hymnal, number 304.
As our children prepare to come up for the children's message, I will remind you that all children um, from preschool through third grade are invited to join Miss Anna downstairs after the children's message. But now I'd like to invite all our children forward as Miss Wendy shares with us today. Jesus is alive. That's fantastic, isn't it? Hello. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. All right, I need a couple of helpers. Lily, can you help me? Maddie, can you help me? All right, back a long time ago, when God first created the world and everything in it. Can you stand there? You, can you be God for me today? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just stand right there. So when, when God created uh, man and woman and all the children, he created us to be very close. So you can be the creation. So we were in a very close relationship with God, right? We could reach out. We could touch God. We could talk to God. We were very close to God. But when sin got introduced to the world, can you step off? When sin got introduced to the world, the people of God got further away. So can you stand there? And it became harder for us to reach God, right? Can you guys reach out and touch each other? No? And nothing that we could do as people could bridge this gap between us. So God sent something to help us. What was that? What did God send to help us? Jesus, that's right. So he, Jesus was a bridge for us or a lifeline, whatever you can think of. And it was a way that God reached out and made connections with us again. So can you hold on to that? So this, this is Jesus and he's our way that no matter how far away we get, we always have that connection to God. And even dying cannot stop us from having that relationship with God. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? Can you guys pray with me today? Dear God, thank you for sending your son as a sacrifice for us so that we may be with you forever. In your name we pray. Amen. Our second scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. 
As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone to, up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said to her. The word of the Lord for the people of God. We were weighed down walking to the tomb. We knew the way, for we had followed them the day before, down the hill from Golgotha, their arms straining with the dead weight of Jesus' body. We saw their shoulders pushing that stone in place, the sound of it grinding shut. And though our eyes streamed with tears, we marked the place. We knew we would come back. And on the first day of the week, we came, arms full of aromatic oils and spices, cinnamon, cassia, and myrrh. What we saw in the semi-darkness was not the closed tomb that we expected, but a gaping hole. Alarmed, we looked inside, seeing Jesus's body was gone. Someone had been there before us. How could this be? Grave robbers? Some final act of blasphemy against our Savior? I dropped everything I was carrying and ran to find the disciples. Peter and John came racing back, entering the tomb. Jesus was not there. I stood with them, our hands on the giant stone, our faces full of confusion. They left, but I remained, gathering up all those spices, my tears dropping on the ground. Would this suffering never end? I turned and looked again at the tomb, but this time there was not darkness, but light. Two angels sitting where Jesus' body should be, and they asked me why I was weeping. Why was I weeping? And then another man, the gardener, suddenly there behind me was also asking about my tears. All I wanted was Jesus' body, so I could do what I came here for, mourn properly, anoint him with these spices in my arms. Where is Jesus? Tell me if you know, I cried. And then he said my name. Suddenly I recognized him. Jesus, not dead, not cold, not lifeless, not gone forever. Jesus, alive, before me, talking, looking in my eyes. My heart about stopped as I reached out to touch him, to see if he was real, touchable, Jesus in the flesh. He was alive. I held on. I didn't want to let go. But he looked down at me and said, Mary, don't hold on to me. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them. I threw the spices on the ground, no need for them anymore, and I started running, my feet moving faster than they've ever moved, my voice beautiful with the good news. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. She was the first to the tomb that day. But John wants us to know a detail. He wants us to know it was still dark. And when she arrived, the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was open. It was empty. 
the body of Jesus, her teacher, her friend, he was gone. Brothers and sisters, for six weeks, we have peered through the eyes of those who were there with Jesus. We have followed his journey through their accounts, through their lives. The woman with the jar of perfume, she poured out the very best of what she had over him, and without knowing it, she predicted that this day would come. Then there was Malchus, the servant of the high priest. He was wounded by Peter, who cut off his ear in the garden that night. But Jesus touched him and healed him. Surely his life would never be the same. There was Simon, the Cyrene, who carried Jesus' cross. There was the criminal who hung beside Jesus on a cross. Again, both were changed by their encounter with Jesus, lives that would never be the same. And then there was Mary, his mother. Her life was changed twice. The day he drew his first breath, the Son of God, her Son, born for the world. And the day he drew his last breath, the Son of God, her Son, dying for the world. And we can't forget Barabbas, the one whose place he took. Each character, each person, each life, somehow crossing paths with the Lord of Lords, with the King of Kings, with God in the flesh. But when the story was over, when Jesus had died and was laid in the tomb, sealed up tight, counted as gone. Mary Magdalene returned. She returned and she found the tomb empty. Assuming the body had been stolen, she ran and told the others. They came back with her. They saw too the discarded linens, but did you hear what it says next? They returned home. That's it. The end of the story in their minds. He wasn't there, so they went home. For some reason, though, Mary remained. I imagine her heart broke again as she stood there, unable to attend to the body of her teacher and friend, unable to make her peace, unable to close the book on his life. Surely this is the end, she must have thought. But why did it have to end like this? But then two beings appear. Angels, we are told, but she still doesn't get it. And just as she turned back to ask where they laid him, she heard it. The sound of her own name. The sound of her own name on the lips of a familiar voice. Oh, I can imagine the moment. There are some voices we simply never forget. And if we heard it again, no matter how much time has passed, it would stop us in our tracks. She heard his voice and she knew. Rabbanai, she cried. Rabbanai, she knew who it was, and she leapt forward, throwing her arms around him, hugging him tightly as if to say, I don't know if this is real or not, but I am not letting go this time. Now, I'm not just making this up. Scholars 
say that the use of the present tense in this context makes it clear that Jesus was not forbidding her to touch him. Rather, he was telling her to stop doing something she was already doing. She was hugging, clinging to her Savior. He's alive and real. Perhaps the story isn't over after all. That's what her touch, what her embrace is telling us. Scientists and psychologists alike have told us that touch is the most powerful of our senses. It restores, it heals. Touch has been shown to alleviate anxiety, to bolster the immune system, to lower our blood pressure. Touch is absolutely vital to our physical and our mental well-being. I know we all remember what it was like a few years ago when we were told not to touch one another. In fact, stay six feet apart from one another and it took a toll on us. Because unlike the other senses, touch is doubled. The one who does the touching is also being touched. So Mary, she reached out, she touched him, she embraced him, she clung to him. But then the risen Christ spoke to her again. This time he said, Mary, don't hold on to me. When you first hear this, it sounds so insensitive. It seems almost harsh. Because who could blame her? He was dead. The story was over. But now he's standing in front of her. Of course, she wants to hold him tightly. She doesn't want to lose him again. Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. That's why. He wasn't dismissing her or chastising her. He was saying, Mary, now is not the time. Now is not the time to hold on to the past because the story isn't over. Something new is happening. I am not the same Jesus that you knew on Friday. In a very real way, Jesus was telling Mary that she had to let go of the Jesus she knew before. If she held on too tightly to the Jesus she knew then, she would miss the new thing that God is doing. If she held on too tightly to life the way it used to be, she might miss the new life that resurrection brings. Friends, even now, God is doing something new. That is the good news of Easter. No matter how many times we have heard this resurrection story, it is still new, still teaching us something so important that we cannot really understand Easter unless we understand that resurrection is not the end of the story. You see, Jesus is free of the grave. He has been set loose in the world even now. And every time we think we have hold of him, he won't stay long. He has places to take us people he wants us to meet, kingdom work he needs us to do. Don't hold on to me, Jesus said. Jesus still says. Instead, go tell this good news. Go tell everyone. Go tell the world that God is doing something new and that you have seen it. Death isn't the end of the story. The resurrection is only the beginning. God is taking death and using it to bring new life. God is taking disaster and turning it into victory. God is taking pain and grief and transforming it into hope for a new tomorrow. 
Jesus said to Mary, do not cling to me, because he still had work for her to do. Go to my brothers and say to them, I have seen the Savior. And with that commission, Mary became the first apostle. She spread the word, the Easter message. She was the first to turn a new page in God's great story of redemption. Friends, today it is my prayer that you may know that Easter doesn't just come once a year. It happens every time we let Christ do something new with our lives. We don't have to live like we always have. Christ not only gives us permission to let go of the old, but commands us to stop clinging to what was. Stop looking for him in empty tombs. He's not there. Ever since that first Easter, ever since Mary loosened her embrace, Christ has been set loose in our world. And even now, God is doing something new. So go. Run and tell the world Christ is alive. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia and amen. This morning on this holy day, we have the privilege and the opportunity to share together as one body in the sacrament of Holy Communion, to remember the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to remember that the resurrection is just the beginning. Today, we will receive God's grace we will receive sustenance for the work that God has called us to, to set Christ loose in the world by sharing the good news, by sharing the message of Easter hope. I'd like to invite you to read along with us as we share together the words of our communion liturgy. Friends, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, all who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. We confess that we have not loved you. Lord, we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have not broken the we have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard cry of Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 God of power. 
are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and the Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks to you, O God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this, and remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Your church has continued in the breaking of bread and the sharing of cup. And so in remembrance of the, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. As I remind us every time we share in the sacrament of Holy Communion, that as United Methodists, we believe this table is open to everyone. You do not have to be a member of this church, this church or any church, but simply to come with an open heart, willing to receive the grace that God has poured out through Jesus Christ, the grace that God offers each and every one of us. So I'll invite our communion stewards forward this morning Pastor Ruth and I will serve them, and then they will proceed to the four corners. You are invited, after everyone is set, to come. You may go to the corner nearest to you to receive this gift, to receive the grace that God has given us in Jesus Christ.
Friends, at this time, we pause to reflect upon the gifts and the graces that God has poured out on us. And we begin to recall that our names too have been spoken. Spoken from the lips of our Savior, calling us to go into the world and to take part in the kingdom work which he began. So today, we offer our gifts, we offer our very lives for that work. To be in mission and ministry here in our community and around the world. We pray God's blessing upon these gifts. May they be used for his glory. I invite you to rise as you are able as we stand and sing together our doxology number 95. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. to this time of prayer. May we come with open ears and open hearts. May we come lifting our prayers, but also expecting to hear God speak. Will you join me in an attitude of prayer? Oh, holy God, we praise your mighty name on this resurrection morning. You have rescued us from the power of darkness and death. You have redeemed us and set us free. Your spirit, O oh God, sustains us. Your breath renews all of creation. So we lift our voices today and every day to proclaim the good news. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And because he lives, we know that your promises, Lord, are true and that salvation has come to us. So we sing your praise. Yet there have been and there will be times when the joy of the resurrection fades. When we get caught up again in the worries of the world. And we confess, O oh God, that we do not always live in the spirit of new life, but we remain discontent and anxious. So in this moment of prayer, in this moment of silence, we bow our hearts to you, God, and we confess the ways that we have fallen short of the glory for which you have created us. Lord, forgive us. Have mercy upon us. Make us worthy to be called your own. Because in the empty tomb, you have declared that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing we have done or left undone, nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Merciful Father, we come before you now with confidence, lifting the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We lift up the six-year-old granddaughter of Brian Marshall's co-worker. She was transported to Akron Children's with appendicitis. Lord, we pray that as the doctors and the nurses and the teams work, that your hand of healing will be upon her. Lord, may you restore her to wholeness and health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We continue to lift up Sherry Evans, Shirley Chambers, Tom Castle, 
Jean and Laura Smith, Nancy Fleming, Gary Clausen. And in a moment of silence, we lift up to you those whom we each carry on our own hearts. Oh God, may you hear our prayers, spoken and unspoken. May we draw into your loving embrace, and may we lift up those who are in need of your healing and your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Anoint us now, O oh God, to go into the world proclaiming your message of hope, your message that the tomb is empty, that Christ is risen and death has been defeated. Make us alive in Christ that we may serve you with joy. And as we follow Christ into the world, remind us that today and every day we are resurrection people with hope in our hearts and a call upon our lives. We ask these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray together by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, <coughs> hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be And now, as Easter people, as people who have witnessed the resurrection of our Lord, may we stand and may we sing with joy in our hearts our final hymn, number 310, He Lives. Please rise as you are able.
have come from darkness to hope, from despair to joy. We have been transformed by new life. So go forth. Go forth to witness and testify to the message of hope that you have received today. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia and amen.